music you're missing, listeners. It's Brendan Gennetti here, and I've been having a folk kind of summer, and that song has been on repeat all summer long. Check the show notes on this episode for a link to listen to OK All Right's cover of The Grateful Dead's Friend of the Devil now. Welcome to Music You're Missing, the modern radio station. After years of working in radio, I realized something wasn't clicking. There were so many artists that mainstream media just weren't giving proper treatment to, so I sought to change that, and Music You're Missing was born. From just starting out to signed, this interview-style podcast highlights artists you don't want to miss. Follow along to the regularly updated Music You're Missing Spotify playlist to discover even more can't-miss tracks. Hey, it's Brendan Gennetti. You're listening to Music You're Missing, and today we're in studio with Steinza. I'm so happy that Steinza is coming in studio because I connected with him years ago at this point. He was one of the first artists that I've ever had on the show in general uh, back in September of 2021. I remember being so nervous for the shoot, Uh, but I first connected with him because he has a song about having the hots for his dentist called Christine. And it's just so comical while also being so catchy and really well produced. So I immediately fell in love with the dude and I have been watching his career evolve ever since. And evolve it has because this man has since toured the country. He's had wonderfully viral moments on TikTok. And right now his track, The Former, is sitting at nearly 5 million streams on Spotify. And it is a heartbreaker. Let me tell you that. Steins is in Boston right now, and we're catching up with him ahead of his show with Matt Mason tonight in the city. I can't wait to hear him. But first, you've listened to podcasts before. You know the drill. Before we get Steinza in studio, I got to let you know that Music You're Missing is not just a podcast. We're also a Spotify playlist. Just search Music You're Missing on Spotify, and you will find 40 tracks that I hand select every week to put you on to some new good music that you're missing. While you're checking things out, if you wouldn't mind rating us five stars wherever you listen to podcasts, that would be wonderful. And I know it's so freaking corny to ask, but the more five-star ratings we get, the higher likelihood the episodes get playlisted, which which in turn gives these artists even more exposure. And my final thing is if you want to keep up to date with me and Music You're Missing, I recommend you just follow Music You're Missing on Instagram. That is where we post all of our updates, including live shows. Anyways, that's all for me. Let's get Steinza in the Music You're Missing studio. We are joined with Steinza. How's it going, dude? Good, dude. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. I'm really excited to have you in studio. I feel like a lot of the times when I have these shoots, they feel like work. Mm. For this one, I was really looking forward just to genuinely chatting with you in person because we've been connected it. for quite some time. Yeah, dude. This is overdue. It this is. This is overdue. So you're in town, Boston. Is this your first time? Yeah, never been to Boston. Um, I've been here like three hours, though, and I love it. Took the bus? Took the bus multiple times. I actually, within my first like 30 minutes of leaving the airport, got lost. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I was like, this was my thought process. I want to be able to put a cool train lyric in a song. So I was like, let me ride the train. That sounds sick. Ooh. So I got on my, I got on Apple Maps, put in my destination. It was like, get on this bus. I got on the bus, rode the bus. Then it told me to get off the bus and get on another bus. But once I got off the bus, I like, I had my suitcase, guitar. Mm. I was in sweats. It was like two quadrillion degrees outside. So then I just gave up and got an Uber. 
So you didn't ride the train. Did not ride the train. Damn. Okay, because I really, I really appreciated the uh, like kind of embedding yourself into what you wanted to create there. <laughs> I'm not sure you're gonna really find much artistic um, kind of like inspiration on the MBTA. True. Especially during during this week, I think the Orange Line is shut down because of a safety hazard or like one of the Beautiful. stops. So yeah, it's it's definitely a tough time for the MBTA. So maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> Whatever. What I came was thinking, out of I just have to sit on the train and like get sad about something real quick and then, right. then I can you know write something that's interesting like what do you think <laughs> how do you think you would take that like what do you think your mind would go to on the train I don't know I just I feel like train lyrics just stick out generally mm. especially in like stream of consciousness music okay there's just something there's something in the novelty of being on a train that's just a little like it's classic dramatic yeah okay you know I like that you ever been on a long train ride no, like some Harry Potter shit. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't either. But I feel like I would love that. I would love to. I also like. I wonder how. I mean, you see how trains are depicted in movies with like cabins and beds. I'm like thinking of Thomas the Choo Choo, but yeah, yes. Yeah. And now I understand what you're saying, <laughs> dude. Like luxury trains. I'm like, I wonder how real that is. That is yeah, because I don't even know where to go on a train. Even on TikTok, I've seen people. They like, and it's not necessarily a luxury, but they've got like a full dorm. And yeah. it's just to them. It's like, where are you going? It's still traveling. Like, traveling like that is so cool. Serious. <laughs> I went traveling. I wish we had um, high speed rail systems here. All right, Elon Musk. He's working on I it. I have no idea how that works, but conceptually, I just feel like that would yeah. make everyone's life better. I personally really love if if we're just going to keep the the tram conversation going. <laughs> I personally love uh, at the Orlando airport, like the people mover. Mm. Those are cool. I would like that in this city. I've only been in there once, and I think they were rebuilding it. Uh, it was like hurricane damage. Something about you not being able to get on the train. Maybe that's <laughs> it. Like I'm trying to go with you, but I just I can't. It's not I have working. a train curse. Fate's in the way. Wow, look at that. <laughs> we're we're in a session right now. Um, okay. <laughs> so we've we, like I said, we've been connected for a while, and you're definitely one of the people. Like obviously, personally, like I connect the fuck time people online, but you're definitely one of the people I like care about <laughs> and like have actually been Thank watching, you. and it's been really like. Fantastic watching your career genuinely grow in such like an organic way. Um, I think we said earlier we uh, we had our first podcast in September of 2021, so almost two years. Yeah, I know in the time since then, like I said, your career's grown, but specifically you moved away from your hometown and mm -hmm. now you're kicking it in Nashville. Yep. What inspired how what inspired the move? How do we know it was time for that? Dude, I actually um, so I I kind of figured out that I wanted to take music seriously as a as a career option in 2020 um so that's when i quit my job uh probably like the worst time in human history to quit your job to do music because there was nowhere to play or you know nothing to do yep um i ended up taking a trip to la that year it was my first time out there and immediately i recognized just because of the industry presence in a place like that i was like i need to be somewhere like this yeah if i want to be productive and profitable so the plan forever was to move to LA and then, uh, like summer of 2021, this is one of those key events. <laughs> one of the three, one of the three, I did a show. It was my first show ever actually. Um, opening for Matt in Nashville, fell in love with the city. Um, it felt a little bit more like grassroots and pure than LA. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like, 
LA to me is a bit chaotic and stressful. Certainly. It's just a really overstimulating place. I like it in doses. Um, but whereas Nashville feels cozy and warm and not that it's a perfect place, but um, it just had a lot going for it for me. It's definitely cheaper. <laughs> it's a lot more realistic to, to move in in Nashville. Um, but yeah, dude, I just, uh, I feel like living in a music market like that, I feel like career wise, I'm on one of those things at the airport where you walk a little faster than everyone else. Mm, you know what I mean? I like that. It's because everything is so localized and it's not like it's not still a, a journey. Yeah. But the convenience of like, oh, you want to work with this artist? They live three miles away yeah. or you want to meet with this label? It's downtown. Mm -hmm. There's no Zoom interactions. You don't have to jump through all those hoops. So, um, yeah, I think also too, just in my like life character arc, it was time to leave my hometown. Mm -hmm. I just felt like, at, um, you know, and I love Virginia. My heart is definitely in Virginia. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I was living with my parents. They were gracious enough to let me stay. And I kind of just felt like in that environment, I was just rotting. Yeah, I you can know? fully There's understand that. Not a lot of stuff to do or... It you also know, like when you, at that time and you were living with your parents, you were you were seeing some success. So it's a little it's yeah. a little tough to get some success and then like go home to your parents. If yeah, that makes sense. Like, it is. I, I wasn't even going home. I was you were there. there. Yeah, exactly. Like you would you would go to you'd wake up. Yeah, but they're there. Like same thing. Like with with us. Like I would get invited to something really cool and it'd be like the coolest shit ever. And then I'm like, I drive home and I'm like, Hi, mom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I had a good night. I did this. She's like, what does that mean? You know, it's just, I don't know. There was something weird about it. Like be, mo removing yourself from something you're so familiar with really helps motivate you, but also kind of shape like who you are to, to yeah. like, then take on this career goal of yours. Dude, it also became like, can I do whatever the fuck you want? It became like a, uh, a dopamine roller coaster kind of too. Cause I would do trips to do session work or tour and as soon as all the cool stuff was over, I would come home and be in my parents' house again. And my yeah. mom's like making eggs. <laughs> and I'm like, hey. You're you like, know. hey, over easy, but get out of my yeah, way. Yeah, it's just extreme highs to like humbling. Not that, yeah. not that being at your parents' house is a humbling low. Because, you know, I lived with my parents proudly. Yeah. I think it was a wise choice. But, yeah, when you're uh, trying to fit, like, feel the goalpost in your career and measure yourself it definitely is a it throws your brain for a loop all right all right so you're, you're obviously there now you've been there for some time in mm -hmm. in retrospect where we must be happy it seems like you're happy with the decision yeah i definitely am um i'm there for the indefinite future which is still sinking in um you know i've never left home so the permanence of it hasn't really hit me fully mm -hmm. like when i think about the idea that when I'm in Nashville, I'll still be here in four years, probably living here. Um, it's a little freaky. Yeah. A little freaky. Cause it almost feels like a chap, like a temporary chapter that I just have to like power through. Yeah. But in reality, I'm like, I, I probably will be here or LA. Yeah. That is interesting. And, but, and especially too, as someone who tours, like you'll also be yeah all over and then to, to have that be your home. Like that's your home base. You're was, not actually going back to the mom and dad really ever. <laughs> it was strange. I, I went home for the first time in June 
and it hadn't been that long. It was like four months maybe since I had, I left in February, came back in June, but already home didn't really feel like home, mm -hmm. which freaked me out a bit. And I spiraled a bit because <laughs> yeah, I'm in the space where Virginia no longer feels like home when I'm back, but Nashville also doesn't feel like home. And so I'm having this like deep epiphany that if I want the feeling of home again, I just have to like build that. Hey, you gotta, you gotta grow where you're planted. Yeah. I love yeah. that. <laughs> That's like one of my, do you, do you, do you have like mantras you tell yourself? Um, yeah. That's one of mine. I do. I definitely, uh. That's a fun one until you're like the seed in the soil and it's like dark. <laughs> but you're about to get nourished. You know, the nourishment's yeah. coming. You just have to kind of wait for yeah. it to rain, baby. Overall, though, it's a positive. Okay. Uh, I didn't mean to get all philosophical with home, but. No, I think, I mean, I definitely think it's really cool to see you channel that like emotion. I feel like that's clearly like yeah. indicative of you being an artist and a songwriter. Yeah. And I think you've already kind of laid laid some cool song topics out maybe i don't know thank you <laughs> you thank don't have you, a home yeah. but you have a home you're homeless i don't know actually so i have that old song home but i'm putting out another one later this year called call home <laughs> ah. which is the opposite sentiment it's like uh i feel like i get shat on for not keeping in touch with people in virginia mm -hmm. but it almost is um i haven't really figured out how to articulate it but i do feel a little bit strange like calling I don't know. I I wish that I could. Do you like, okay? No, I, I I understand the the concept. Are you yeah. like in your head? Do you feel strange? Do they? Here's my question: Are people actually shitting on you, or is it in your head? Um, people get a little salty. Okay. Yeah. All right. Which is fully justified, though. Like even my, you know, I'm like currently I'm really bad at calling my parents. Okay, that one is justified. I feel like with friends, though. Like, I don't want to hear it. You know what I'm saying? I feel like yeah. friends, you, you don't owe them anything. You clearly love them, but sometimes your life you got, has got to take precedent. Family, yeah. for sure. My parents will always come before like me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I need to be better on the parent piece. But yeah, I mean, stuff, as soon as I showed up, life just became incredibly busy. Mm -hmm. you know, I, was, I was working, um, still am, and I'm doing like two, three sessions a day seven days a week and then you know now there's house responsibilities and then also trying to do the social life at the same time and you know between all that i'm like dang i need to find time to call my loved ones mm -hmm. but then it's like you know say i have a day where i get up do two sessions go to work get off late after that i'm like i just want to sit on my couch yeah you're not in the that that what i've also found too is like I'd rather give my time fully as opposed to more often. So yeah. when I do talk to someone, I want, you know, to, it to be worthwhile. So it might take like a week, but quality if I'm calling them every quality. day, I'm going to be like, mm -hmm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm clearly focused on something. So yeah. Yeah. Perhaps that, but yeah, dude. Um, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> transparently, I don't really know what I'm doing. Yeah. But dude, also, no one like, around you does. No one does. Yeah. yeah so, it's uh because there's really no rule book for anything, especially nowadays. Like you, you never know what's ahead, even if you have it planned. So yeah. that being said, you did kind of mention uh, that you had some old tunes, you got some new tunes. Uh, something that I, I've noticed, just obviously from from having followed you for a while, is there seems to be kind of a sonic change up going on with your with your sound. 
A bit, yeah. Um, so we, we kind of ran into this problem in the industry um, where the sentiment now is they kind of want you to pick a genre. Mm-hmm. Um because everything currently, there, there's such an emphasis on branding. Um, you know, what are people interpreting about you when they look at you? Or when they hear one song, uh, what is their brain expecting from the next song? And I think part of my, like, musical identity is I just like to... Um, I, I think that there's a lot of parallels with, like, scoring. Like, scoring film. Interesting. Whereas... Um, the film kind of dictates what the score sounds like. And, you know, simultaneously the score can alter the emotion of the film drastically. But in, you know, in songwriting, I, I tend to write about my life and, you know, life is a dynamic thing for everybody. Some days it's happy. Some days it's sad. Some days it's exciting. Some days it's reflective. Um, and it's a mixed bag. And so for me, I'm like, I don't want to, I guess I'm just anti-genre. Okay. Um, I feel like genres were invented to describe artists. Um, and now it is flipped. Artists invent themselves to fit into a genre. Ooh. And I think that that's limiting. Um, this, when genres were coined, I guess is the word, they were there to describe artists who were just making what was authentic and what felt right, you know, what was cool to them. And I think that that authenticity is where art thrives. Um, I think every big artist who's broken in the last 10 years, um, obviously I can't say for sure, but it seems like the majority of them broke because they were unique and they were being themselves. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is an artist comes up who's new and fresh and that's rooted in them being genuine with their music. And instead of that inspiring other artists to go and be themselves, um, which is their greatest strength, it, it instead inspires artists to sound like the unique artists and copy what's the working. People, yeah. And I just don't want to do that. I just want to be honest in my music. And I think sometimes, you know, that was a long roundabout answer to say, I think sometimes life sounds like a folk song. Sometimes it sounds like a pop song. Sometimes it sounds like an alt-rock song, mm -hmm. yada, yada. And so for a long time, years now, I've been sitting on, I write a lot. And I'm, you know, I sit on a lot of finished songs. Um, and it definitely is a, it's a mixed bag of sounds and uh, a lot of different like fonts, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And... So in releasing music and in trying to grow an artist career, that almost, instead of being um, a good thing, it became like a handicap because it almost felt like it would be easier if I could just tightly bond with a genre and with a community. Um, but instead, I've, I think the idea now is I would like to prove my musical diversity. And so the release strategy right now is for the past six months, we've been doing acoustic-based, folky, Americana-esque stuff. Um, the former Habits, Sunflower. Um, the next stuff we're doing, there's an EP coming in October. Um, that's like loud guitars and drums. It's rock. 
I hate using the term rock because I'm like, what is that? Yeah. And it makes me think of like 80s hair bands. <laughs> but rock-esque. Rock music I'm, I'm really excited about. Um, bit angrier sounding. And after that, in the new year, um, I think we're going to return back to like pop and R&B for a bit because there's some strong pop demos and um, more soulful stuff that I made in Virginia that I still love. You know, I don't, I don't want people to expect... Um, a folk song where I'm singing about grandpa and grandma's house and my first love, you know, all the, that, obviously that stuff has a time and a place, but I would like to be an artist where, um, I'm respected as a creator and yeah. not just a one trick pony. I mean, I feel like, uh, a lot of that sentiment of needing to fit in a genre comes from the industry itself and not even the yeah. consumers. Like it's, yeah. it's such a traditional thing, uh, like genres, Specifically, like in radio, a lot of them stem from that. Like Top 40 was born from radio. Yeah. Uh, Hot Country was born from radio. It's like no, those don't really exist anymore because radio isn't the number one way people are streaming. People yeah. can stream whatever they want. That's why we have, you know, Latin music at number one in America for the first time like ever. That's why we have there's, – there's so many different – there's so much more opportunity, I feel like, nowadays. Um, so I think it really just matters that you're just doing music that you actually like. And I know it's so cliche, but I also find – best pieces of advice are the most cliche like yeah just literally do what you want like there are no rules and and until you have someone being like in front of you telling you you have to do it or like it's a breach of fucking contract then it like that's what it becomes an issue yeah. but if you're still doing the independent thing like who cares yeah dude funny you say that because i feel like my fixation right now is corny facebook mom quotes <laughs> like live best. laugh love ask stuff grow where you're planted and so much so that they've even started appearing on my tiktok for you page you know oh, you get the slideshows of oh, quotes of mine course, are yeah. just straight live laugh love <laughs> straight pinterest uh, but i kind of find uh, a good amount of inspiration from those i don't sing them directly but that, like usually in those quotes, there's like a universal human feeling that's 100%. encapsulated like well. And I'm like, oh, I should write a song. Like the other day I read one. Um, I think the quote was, it's really hard to walk out of your burning house when you spent so many hours cleaning the floors. And I was like, damn. But, I, damn, you know, that I, I wrote a song immediately after that about um, – like a dying relationship feeling like a burning home. Mm -hmm. You can't go back inside to get your stuff. You don't have time to box it up. Um, you can't ever get that house back. You could rebuild the exact schematic and it wouldn't be the same. Yeah. You know, and even then it would be a months, years long process. And the memories that you created in that house lived and died in that house with the house burning down. You know, all this is, I just felt, like all this kind of bubbled over from like a Facebook. Dude, I'm telling <laughs> you, like yeah. there's been multiple times in my life where like I will do something and I will like genuinely, I'm a pretty like introspective, mindful guy, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And there will times where I'll be like, whoa, like here's what I learned from this situation. And I'll like, whatever the lesson may be, I'm like, oh yeah, that's like, you know, the golden rule. Like I've heard that time and time over again. And it's not until you like put it into practice and like actually acknowledge that you're doing it. You're like, oh yeah, that's a cliche for a reason. Yeah. I wish I could think off the top of my head, like, exactly which cliches I'm referring to, but... There's almost... It's funny how many there are. 
So many. Well, yeah, that too. Hundreds, like there's just so many. Hundreds of golden rules. So yeah, like the uh, I think of you know treat others the way you want to be treated. That's like when people say the golden rule. That's yeah. what I think of. If you don't have but anything other nice people, to guess, say. Don't, don't say, say anything, anything at all. Don't piss against the wind. Love <laughs> that. Don't uh, don't fight fire with fire. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, that one it took me a while to actually learn. I feel like mm. I'm I'm very quick to like be aggressive. Really? Yeah. O- only when it is given to me first. I'm I don't think I'm the aggressor at the beginning, but I will act on it. Dude, there's quickly. a uh, you asked earlier about mantras. A pretty big one for me is actually from the Bible. Late <laughs> on dun, me. Dun, dun. <laughs> no way, dude. It's a, it's in uh, it's an old proverb I think, but it's better as a living dog than a dead lion. And I read that when I was young, and I was like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Specifically but at, to the Bible. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, as I've gotten older, though, um, I think what it means is sometimes it's better to, instead of going all out and burning out for a large opportunity or a large thing, something big and exciting, it's better to just have the moderate average thing which is a slow burn rather than a flash mm, in the pan. Yeah. You know, cause it's like, you could put all your time and effort into something super appealing like a lion. Um, but if it's dead, what good is it? Yeah. Whereas you could just spend your days with a dog that you love and <laughs> you know, you have the, I don't know if that makes sense. It might be no, a little yeah. too poetic. But no, but that actually kind of, I was talking with, um, I think Sam McPherson. Or, do you know him? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. You guys are connected. He was on the show and he said something similar. And then we were talking about how like you can't, it doesn't matter really like what you have and like what accolades you get. If like you're constantly in work mode and like you're not taking the time to reflect. Yeah. Upon it. So it's like the lion. Sometimes it's, you just get to <laughs> enjoy the dog, man. Enjoy the dog. Enjoy, get that dog in New you. Instagram bio right enjoy there. Enjoy the dog. Um, all right. So uh, we kind of alluded to the, the shift in your sound, and, and I want to talk to you about your new track with Paris Jackson, obviously. Mm-hmm. Not quite yet, though, because I, I got to mention the former. That's like a really fucking good song. Dude. Thank you. That's that like song incredible. was born out of a Facebook mom quote. No way. Yeah. What was the quote? The first verse. If, if hurting, hurting me doesn't hurt you, I you don't love me. <laughs> well, it was uh, it was if hurting me doesn't hurt you, and then something different. But the sentiment, you know, the attitude of it was the same. So that was like what I was going to ask you is where did the in- inspiration from that line come from? Because yeah, that's literally it, it was a. It actually, to be fair, was a TikTok of somebody like reading that quote. Okay, and which that sound was viral in its own right, which is how I saw it. But uh. Yeah, I saw it. I was super sad that day, um, and I just started singing it. And then the rest of the song was kind of just done in like forty-five. Damn. It was a quick one. And then just to clarify, the the first verse is: "If hurting me doesn't hurt you, you don't love me. I'm just being used." Yeah. For those that <laughs> might not me. have it remembered, um, <laughs> but wow, so that was a forty-five minute write. Yeah, it was a quick one. And then like how cool it definitely is your most streamed track it's a fan favorite yeah how why do you think it resonated with so many people but also like emotionally but also like what's the story behind the success did it catch on on tiktok yeah tiktok was definitely the big dog in the fight i went super crazy promoting that i think i posted it like 60 or 70 times in a month which is Uh, atypical for a release for you would you say uh it is but it shouldn't be i really should be doing that with every song 
Whole nother topic though. No rules, man. TikTok. Love it and hate <laughs> it. Um, there's, but I, I know we're going on a tangent here real quick. There's only been one artist out of that I've ever interviewed that has ever said they liked TikTok. Yeah. And I didn't release the episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. TikTok can gargle my balls, but, <laughs> um, I guess there's a bunch of factors that played into the former. I think the biggest one being that the hook was just sticky enough to where it kind of marketed itself. Um, I think a bit of that is because of the musical zeitgeist going on right now with, um, you know, the last six to 12 months Mm -hmm. country has been huge. Zach Bryan is huge. Tyler Childers is huge. Chris Stapleton, Noah Kahan, there's this kind of uh, pilgrimage back to like white guys with guitars, mm. you know, <laughs> and the, I guess that's what the former is. It's you know uh, a heartfelt acoustic. So yeah, song. I mean, I definitely agree. You might have been in the right place at the right time, but yeah. with that, obviously, comes the fact that it it is really well done and Thank well you. written and Thank well you. produced. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think that there's the old. Uh, the old idea that in order to get a good song, you have to write a hundred bad ones, you know, maybe not a hundred. Is that another cliche or is that truth? That is a, that's <laughs> truth. That's truth. There we go. Um, I think sonically that song was in the right place at the right time. I think me as a writer, I also was in the right place at the right time making it. Um, it also was really cool cause to, you know, currently that's my most successful sound or song rather. Um, but I feel like that, uh, the former, the sound of it is really close to what just is natural for me. So it was nice that, or it is nice that the, the most successful thing I've done is me being myself. Mm -hmm. That was a validating thing for me for sure. Um, but yeah, I wrote that song. The melodies changed over like the next two days after I wrote it. But the day after I wrote it, I was playing in Nashville um, my biggest show ever actually. And I decided to just throw it in the set and the audience really, really loved it. I got a lot of DMS about it. It didn't even have a name yet. So I actually asked the show, what should I name this song? Played it. I got a lot of like on the fence or, um, you don't love me, but I ended up sticking on the former. I felt like it was like, tastefully mysterious sounding and it's a super unique name too yeah i thought it was searchable for that yeah. reason um but yeah after that i went home and produced it i thought that the song the bones of i thought that the cool part of the song was the bones the lyricism and i thought it just it it lived well in it's like most raw form so i wanted to keep it pretty minimal the whole track is like i think it's a guitar a kick, bass, like a reverse piano and vocals. I think that's the whole thing. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, clearly you said it was your most successful track. So, like, what changed when, when you did have that experience? Like, did you find yourself with more opportunity? I did. Um, it's funny. I, I have a good buddy named Graham Barham who's an incredible artist um, he's a country artist and we share a manager, Dylan Goldberg. Uh, 
But I met Graham the night of that show where I sang the former the first time. And we just so happened to be backstage talking and we had a conversation about TikTok. And at the time, and still currently, Graham does really well on TikTok. And he said to me, he was like, um, this stuff can change your life. If you dedicate yourself to it for a month, mm -hmm. that could change your life. And at the time, I was full-blown TikTok hater. Was not posting. Um, but yeah, I went home and I took his advice and I, I went crazy for a month. And out of that, um, I, I, I'm currently in a distribution deal. I think currently I've almost recouped the deal just from that song. Heck yeah. Um, definitely got a bit more industry attention. Um, labels calling. Not necessarily offers being thrown out immediately. Um, more so, I think labels do this thing where they approach you early to s make a good impression mm -hmm. so that if the former 2.0, if slash when another moment like that happens, you know, they're postured and positioned to be like, Hey buddy, single deal. Remember us. <laughs> um, yeah, a bit more industry attention. I think that that song, I just signed my first, or well, I just agreed in my first booking agency partnership Sweet. with uh, UTA. I think that song played a big part there. Um, it's definitely in Nashville, that song, the way it has affected my numbers um, on Spotify and on socials has definitely made it easier to get into some rooms. Um, and also it's a good song. So I think, you know, usually when you do a session with an artist or a writer, you go and you listen to their work beforehand. And it's, it is nice when I meet with a stranger or work with a stranger, I know they were in their car on the way here listening to the former. And mm -hmm. that's their impression. And I feel good about that impression. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I'd say that's the bulk of like the ripple effect from that song. And it, it is the one song too, it shows where people like know the <laughs> which is great i i mean i actually really like what you said about you know being comfortable with that being the one that people yeah. search because that's a, a great way to look at it because i feel like sometimes people look at the outlier of their of their catalog and be like "Ooh, like i don't want to just be known for that or whatever yeah. but that's just an intro to the rest of your catalog yeah. and clearly it's affecting the numbers in a in a positive way so for sure uh, that's a great intro for sure dude previously it was this old pop song i have up called better off which, I'm familiar with that one. Yeah, and I was like, when that was number one on my profile, it made me sad. <laughs> yeah, sad. so like, uh, you know, clearly that is like you said it, like that's the folk track. D did you feel pressured to lean into that genre more? No, no. Um, I think that I operate in that space well. Uh, I came up listening to a bunch of folk. Mm -hmm. um, I love Bob Dylan. Grew up listening to Dallas Green a bunch who's, you know, White guy with a guitar. <laughs> the best, the best people. What? I guess I keep saying white. That sounds weird. We can cut that. <laughs> but, we'll note it. But it is a funny variable. Um, what were we just talking about? Uh, if you felt pressured to kind of oh, emulate the sounds of the former. No. Um, I think that it's a good idea. And so I have been doing that to an extent. Um, songs that don't sound just like the former, but live in the same world. Mm -hmm. um, 
No, I don't feel the pressure though. I think that 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 sound is a part of who I am. Yeah. Um, which I'm happy about, and I don't feel pressured for the next stuff to sound that way or feel that way, and I don't feel like I can't ever return to it, which you know bleeds into our conversation earlier. There are no rules. No Do whatever rules. you want. But no, that's cool to hear, um, especially about it. Like I said, I, I don't know. I just really like that you said, like, that's the one I know people are listening to. Because chances yeah. are, like, sometimes Peter will not know the artist because it's, like, just booked. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't worry. We are interviewed in the past. <laughs> but I'm obviously going to play them, like, whatever their number one or Peter, yeah, whatever yeah. the number one is on Spotify. So I, I guess I never thought about that perspective. It's really interesting. Feels good, man. Um, brings us to your new track, though. Yes. Blue Moon with Paris Jackson. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting one for sure. Working with Paris was really, really cool. She's super chill. Um, I've never met her. Oh, really? Never met her. We did the whole thing remote. Um, my manager Dylan is friends with her, which is how that kind of got started. Um, but yeah, I actually wrote blue moon like two years ago. Um, or the majority of it at least. And that track was, uh, you know, as an artist, you like play music for your friends and family, or at least I do. And a lot of that is how I get a gauge on like, what's good. Yeah. Um, especially with people whose taste you appreciate, but blue moon was a song I would send around. Excuse me. Blue moon was a song I would send around and people, Oh, I'm not really feeling this one. Oh, this really? My vibe. They're going to yeah, say the so, opposite. And, but that song was a song that I personally loved. You know, I, I just felt like it was cool. Mm-hmm. It had a cool factor to me. Um, But yeah, I sat on it for two years, and Dylan and I really liked the song when we were talking about what to put out. Um, and we were trying to think. It, I had this empty verse two spot. I never wrote a verse. Um, I tried finishing it a few times. Nothing felt right. Then I penned some lyrics. Um, we ended up sending it to Paris and she liked the song and recorded, um, used the lyrics that I wrote as inspo, but she did her thing. I think her part is so cool in that song and her voice suits the track really well. Definitely. Yeah. There was really great like vocal chemistry there for sure. Thanks. Yeah. Um, she also was just like really respectful um which i think is important and is a great look for anybody but you know even me as an artist if i were to feature on somebody else's stuff there's an acknowledgement that it's like this is your baby this is your feeling that you wrote and i'm coming into it Mm -hmm. as an outsider and i want to like treat it right and like nurture the song and she definitely did that she definitely did that. So it was a, ple- you know, Paris, if you listen to this. <laughs> yeah, she's a, she's a big fan. <laughs> it was a pleasure. <laughs> but yeah, the songs, uh, you know, earlier I mentioned I should be posting a lot more than I do. Um, it's funny because there's these are songs that I love as much as the former, but for some reason I'm in this place where I have a hard time motivating myself to make the content. Yeah, sit dude. down and type the caption and hashtags. Yeah, it's not part of, so that, oh man, you got me started. That's never been part of like an artist's job to be their own yeah. like social media manager. And that it requires such a different skill set, and it drains so much of the, your energy. It takes away from the creative energy that you need to actually hone your craft. 
It I'm does. Super anti artists being in control of their TikTok, to be honest. Like at least from like the promotion standpoint. It's it's yeah. soul sucking. And and then for you to have access to say like you know, you just told me that you were sitting on this track for two years and then you put it out and, you know, maybe no one, no one looks on it or clicks on it on TikTok or maybe you get one hate comment and you're like, well, that fucking sucks. Now I hate the song. <laughs> like it's just such a TikTok, such a breeding ground for, for negative vibes. It is. There's this dynamic that I struggle with where, um, I feel like it's, uh, it's like mourning almost you, for me, at least when I write, I usually am writing because I'm feeling an overflow of whatever emotion the song is about. Um, so if I'm sad, I'll be like, dang, I'm sad as shit. Let me sit down with a guitar. Because, you know, usually some venting happens or I figure something out while I'm writing and it feels good. You, you know, so now you've created this thing that is literally an extension of you because it's like you have put your being into words and now it's a thing now you're taking that thing and putting it on the internet should i drop this mm -hmm. i think i have the song in the summer should i drop <laughs> this um but this thing that you once loved that again is a vulnerable extension of yourself you post it five ten times and it gets no likes yeah and then you're like oh this must suck yep especially when you have you know with stuff like the former where the former does really well um, and then I, you know, stuff that I post after maybe doesn't do well. I'm like, oh, well, this just must not be as good as the former. When in reality, that's not the truth. Because again, it's, it's, it's like right place, right time. Exactly. Always. And it's literally a fucking computer <laughs> deciding who sees the video yeah. and who doesn't. Um, but yeah, that, that definitely is a hole that I've tripped into before. Where it just makes you sad and not excited about your own music, mm -hmm. which I think is the, that's uh, the hardest part about TikTok, I would say. Because really, at the end of the day, yes, it's not an artist's job to do that, but it is also true that nobody's going to believe in you and work harder for you than you. Yeah. So it almost is nice that the largest marketing opportunity is right in front of me and fully maneuverable, fully customizable. I can throw whatever I want at the wall on TikTok. I don't have to go through a marketing agency. Mm -hmm. We don't have to A-B test strategies. It's like I can just throw shit up. And it's like at the end of the day too, all you're really doing is making a little video. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're pressing record on You're literally making a little video. And it's, it is funny though how much weight that little video holds. So and, much and weight. It's yeah, it's a really fucking maniacal thing because you can say it's just a little video or you can say like this is the, you know, the keys to my future. It really is this huge spectrum of, of where it falls on. And sometimes it's cool. Sometimes yeah. it's not. TikTok has done wonderful things for me. I still fucking hate it, but yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, glad the same. I'm glad though you did have that experience because clearly that is where people are breaking. And, you know, if you do have a, a, a good moment, it's, it's clearly indicative of, of you're doing something right. So yeah. It's always, it, it can be definitely validating for sure. Yeah. The other side of that was when the former was doing well, I was addicted to opening the app and looking, mm -hmm. you know, cause it's like you refresh and it's like, Oh, I just got another 5,000 likes yeah. in 10 minutes. Like that's sick. I'm killing it. I'm him. It's a, <laughs> I am him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's certainly a high, like no other. Uh, yeah. And it's really, yeah, that's yeah. Another, you know, while we're on the TikTok thing, lay it on me. 
in artistry, I've realized <laughs> that really the job of an artist is to gather attention and keep it through the means of entertainment. And in order to gather attention, there's an element of, hey, everyone, look at me. And that is just not my nature, dude. I'm just <laughs> not, I'm not walking into a public space and being, everybody look at me, pay attention. You know, even when I've done like, uh, you know, gone to take photos with a photographer and we're out in public and like people are just seeing me and then a dude with a camera next to me. I'm like, oh, I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like being that guy. You know, but something that I'm learning to do, um, but it is, it is an awkward thing to maneuver. And it also is a bit unnatural. Super unnatural for it's sure. Just, yeah. You know, it's the first time in human history where like, I've, I've heard it said about TikTok that you're standing on the busiest street corner in the world playing your songs. But when you think about the numbers, like I think my largest TikTok got like 900,000 views which, you know, in the scale of TikTok is not crazy. But when you think about 900,000 people listening to you, like, sing or talk about some shit, that is insane. Yeah. It's insane. And the, the, this might be a story for another podcast, but the common folk, right, that aren't pursuing a career in the arts or music, or like, that aren't pursuing a public-facing mm -hmm. career, now they're getting this exposure. And, like, what do you think that does to someone who had no intention to yeah. be like, whether it's a power trip or whether it's like, there's just, I don't know. They're just crazy. It's like, we never were prepared to all of a sudden have the ability to be seen by millions because we always thought it was such a impossible feat that was reserved for like a, the A-listers and you had to kind of work your way up. Yeah. But now it's like anyone right time, right place can, can get that. Which is, it's beautiful and scary Amen. simultaneously. <laughs> All right, Steins, uh, this has honestly been a wonderful chat. I'm glad we uh, we finally got to actually meet in real life. For sure, dude. Um, IRL, really smart, smart man you are. Thank um, you, likewise. Uh, as I'm in like my <laughs> nautical shirt going to hang out with some hot moms. Smart people dress for occasions. <laughs> That's exactly, wow, I like that. that. Hey, that might be like another Facebook that was mom off quote. The dome. That was off the dome. Um, so I like to wrap up every interview with this one question. What are some of your goals in the near future, both like personally and professionally? Hmm. Good question. I think I'm on a new health kick. Hell yeah. That's probably taking precedent for me because in the last few months, um, my mental and my physical just got bad. I was sad and that bled into everything else I was doing that affected my career. It affected my social life. And so I just had a realization, like, I need to get my shit straight. Yeah. Um, and that needs to come first. After that, uh, career-wise, um, we're pushing through these EPs. I would love to – the way it's looking is my catalog will double in size by this time next year. Damn. So a lot of music coming out. Really excited about that. Um, and then random goal I have is I, I really want to, like, headline next year. My own tour. I've, I've done some opening legs, mostly for Matt. Um, but yeah, next year, I would love to be in a place where I can pull up and do a 200, 300 cap room by myself um, with a guitar. I, I, I think that would be great. I can certainly see that. I just now, you know, the goal for the longest time has been like, I just want to pay my rent with music. And right now, I'm paying my rent with music. Oh, yeah. It feels great. 
feels great. I think I actually mentioned that the last time we talked. Um, but yeah. So the next time we talk, you'll be on your headlining tour. Actually, that will probably realistically be next time you're in Boston. You're so That's welcome crazy. to come back That's here crazy. when you're on your headlining Dude, tour. We should. We should. This is like the the. The, this sounds <laughs> pretentious to say, but the Billy Eilish yeah, thing. No, yeah, yeah. It, it is. You're right. Um, <laughs> that's really funny. We could, the, and honestly, for me too, because the first time we had you, I think you were our first guest when we moved into the studio. And I remember, yeah. not to throw you under the bus, Peter, but I remember there, Peter was late or something. And I was like so nervous because I had never done, I don't really, I, yeah. now I don't fucking care. Like, this is. <laughs> I could talk all the time, but this is like my first time being in front of the cameras. I was so nervous. And I remember being, yeah. Peter being late and I was like, I'm going to be dramatic in my head. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, just, just growth, man. Just growth. Yeah, dude. And Hey, it feels the same way looking at what you're doing with music. You're missing. Even the fact that you're in a space like this and you have an agreement with a company that's backing and it's just, it's really cool, dude. Yeah, it really is. Thank you much, dude. I'm looking forward to your show that I won't I'm be going so to. I'm so glad you say thank you much because I say thank you much and people are always like, why are you saying that? Really? I feel like I exclusively say thank you much. That's all I say in you know, fast food, convenience store. Thank you much. Thank you much. Thank you, Tuts. It's just so, <laughs> thank you, Tuts. Thanks, sugar. <laughs> <laughs>